on this episode of Starting Point. So it's things like planning, organization, time management, task initiation, self-monitoring to make sure I can get through things, to things like working memory, um, flexibility, just all the tools and skills that you might need to be successful. That's Dan Levine describing executive functions and why they're so important to being successful in today's world. I'm Dan Allenby. Welcome to Starting Point. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the program. I am so pleased to have with us today Dan Levine, the president and founder of Engaging Minds, which is an after-school learning center that teaches kids executive functions. So, Dan, welcome to the program. I'm glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Now, where are you right now? I am in my home office in Needham, Massachusetts. Really excited to have you uh, on the program today. You and I have known each other for several years. We usually talk because we're both trying to run businesses and we like to commiserate. Um, but I've always been really curious about your business and engaging minds and specifically executive functions because our members at AGN uh, are in the business of fundraising for colleges and universities. And we're trying to uh, not only help them with training and provide them with resources, but really help them think about professional development. And I've always thought that executive functions are probably an underappreciated aspect of being successful in not just fundraising and advancement, but any business. So I thought of you and I wanted to bring you on the program and maybe you could tell us a little bit more about what executive function is. So I guess I start with, tell us about you. I mean, where, where are you from? Are you you're in Massachusetts now? Have you always been there? Yeah, I'm originally from Newton, Massachusetts. Uh, I spent some a little bit of time in New York City, but I landed back in Massachusetts. And, you know, my background is in education, but always on the business side of education. I've worked in private schools for most of my career doing admissions, marketing, and communications work. I went to business school and had a brief stint in New York City, decided that that world wasn't right for me. I love New York, but not the uh, not the working part of it. So I came back and I took another job in another school before I decided to open Engaging Minds. And this is the start of our 12th year. An after-school center that teaches kids executive function. So tell us about Tell us about executive function. Like, what what is it for those out there that don't know it? And I'm, I'm guessing most people don't. The definition that we like to use, I think it's a really simple definition. It comes from a book called Late, Lost, and Unprepared. It's a wonderful book. If you've read Malcolm Gladwell, Daniel Pink, any of those people, they've taken other people's research and boiled it down so someone like me can make sense of it and understand it through stories and anecdotes. And that's what these folks have done, Cooper, Kahn, and Dietzel, in their book, Late, Lost, and Unprepared. So if you want to read about executive function, that's a great intro to Late, Lost, and Unprepared. Late, yeah, sounds familiar. <laughs> there you go. So the, the definition that they use, uh, and we really like because it's simple and just kind of says it, executive functions are a set of processes that has to do with managing oneself and one's resources in order to achieve a goal. So as we're thinking about that, what do I need to do personally? What tools or strategies do I need to bring with me and use yeah. to be able to move from A to B to C? So it's things like 
planning, organization, time management, task initiation, self-monitoring to make sure I can get through things, to things like working memory, um, flexibility, just all the tools and skills that you might need to be successful uh, in achieving your goals and quite honestly, where you want to land in your career. I've, I've always been curious about it. Is this, you know, considered progressive and, and sort of untested or is it, you know, is it accepted out there in the academic community as, yeah, executive function, that's really important. We get it. Or is it- it's, a great, it's a great question. So the, the idea for Engaging Minds came in 2004 into my, into my mind. And I didn't really start in earnest, really pursuing it in 2008. And we didn't work with our first student until 2010. Um, but I'd always thought, and, and remember, we're, we're academically oriented, K through college, right? Mm-hmm. But, you know, I've always thought that we don't do a good enough job of explicitly teaching kids the how behind what they need to do in school, right? You have a test, you got to yeah. study for it. You have a five-page paper, you got to write it. How do you get there, though? And some schools do this wonderfully. Some teachers do this wonderfully. But for a lot of kids and adults, they need more explicit direction in yeah. how to do that. So that's kind of where I, where we went to way back, was trying to figure out how do we teach the how behind it. So I, is, there a, is it a universal, like this is how you do it? Or is it more about getting in tune with what works for you? Because I mean, I'll, uh, the reason I'm, I'm saying that is I was a very average student in college, right? I mean, maybe arguably even a little below average. I mean, I, you know, I wasn't flunking out, but I was definitely not making the dean's list at all. And, but I loved learning. I mean, I would get excited about, I was a history major and I would get excited about learning history. I love going to class. Looking back now that I'm, have a couple of decades that have passed, I just don't think I knew how to study. Like right. I, I just honestly, and right. I've sort of figured out this version that now for me, it's like, well, I need to write things. So, and I know that like now, if I could go back to college, I would go to class, I would take notes and I'd rewrite those notes. And that would be my study. But I don't think I knew that back then. We, so is it, I mean, it's it along is, those lines? It, it's really personalized to, to people. But the, what I just wanted to kind of finish with, with the, yeah. the, like, where did that, is it a ubiquitous term or, or, yeah. or whatever? In 2008, I spoke to, when I was working at a, at a private school, I went and I talked to the assistant head of school and I said, listen, here's what I'm thinking. I just want to confide and tell you what I'm, what I'm thinking about and how I want to do this. And I described to her what I wanted to do and her eyes lit up. And she said, you're talking about executive function. And I was like, oh, is that like the name of study skills? Because that's kind of what I'm thinking. And you she didn't said, know yeah, that term before she said it? I hadn't heard that term before. And I think since 2008, 2009, 2010, it has been everywhere. And it's on the tip of teachers' tongues and principals' tongues. And I think there's a lot more awareness educationally about executive functions. We know so much more about the brain than yeah. we did 30 years ago. I think just the way things have evolved, executive functions, I think they've been around, the, the term has been around a lot longer than 2008, yeah. but it really started catching, um, you know, around the time where we started realizing that information is literally everywhere now, 
right? Information, you can grab your phone and you can find something in two seconds. If you're a seventh grader, it's no longer as much about rote memorization as it is about the skills you need. Like how do I organize the information? How do I make sense of the information? How do I synthesize? How do I apply what I've learned? Those are the new skills students and adults need to be successful in the 21st century, right? You can't just memorize and get through anymore. You have to understand. And so the process of how do you do that, that needs to be explicitly taught. Um, And that's where we spend uh, our time through the lens of our students' schoolwork, how to teach these skills. One last piece that I just want to explain. Our tagline from the beginning, though, was tools for learning, skills for life. Because how to organize, prioritize, initiate, plan and manage time, use a calendar effectively, get ideas out of our head, not to paper in an organized way, how to take notes. Those are life skills that you need to be successful in your career. And I'm confident um, that we can all think of someone in our lives who, when you listen to that, you're like, huh, I think that person (laughs) shows up late to meetings, can't ever find their keys or their phone. That person struggles with executive function. That's the issue. But here's the other big thing, Dan. It's not an indictment on intelligence. It's only like really moderately correlated to intelligence. So you can be brilliant, but not be able to get out of your own way to showcase it, right? So that that's I think that's just important to be thinking about and understanding. Could it be the other way around where people are not that bright when it comes to like IQ? And I might need you to define IQ because I... I was once told it's your sort of capacity to to learn or how how quickly you can That's learn. Fair. I don't know. Is that is that fair enough for this? Yeah. But can you have somebody who has a low IQ but really high executive function? Executive function doesn't discriminate based on intelligence, right? These are a set of skills. You're not born with these skills. They're not innate. You have to learn these skills. And we all, you know, those of us in our 30s, 40s, 50s and older, we all had to figure it out. And we did. We did. The executive functions don't fully develop in our brain, they say, until our mid to late 20s. Now they're saying even mid to late 30s. Don't fully develop in our brain. So the way we think about it, is it fair to ask a 15-year-old or say to a 15-year-old, you should be able to do something when their brain isn't there yet? However, if you explicitly teach the skill or the strategy, they have a much better chance at success. So we all figured it out. But to, to go back to your question about, you know, IQ, I, I, here's how I want to think about it. Okay. Um, when, when we were growing up, so I'm 50 years old. Yeah. Um, so in the, in the eighties, okay. In high school, there were those who can't, uh, and those who can. Okay. And what they did with the kids who can't really, they slowed it down. They put them in a different, uh, program. But those kids weren't any less intelligent necessarily. It's that they learned in a different way. Mm-hmm. And those kids now are uber successful in their chosen field because the intelligence was always there. Just they, they weren't a traditional learner necessarily. And what we want to do is help those kids understand and learn those skills so they can showcase everything that's in their brain and in their head. Now you deal with kids for the most part. Would you say that 
the majority of kids are not tapping into their potential or don't have strong executive function. Like you come across some where you're already like, wow, this kid's got it. I mean, this it's maybe like athletes sometimes. I know I, as my, I watch my own kids get older and I watch these kids on the athletic field, you know, you sort of, you encourage them early on. Athletics can be healthy, right? They teach competition. They teach you how to lose, how to be a good sport, you know, how to be a good winner. But then you watch these kids long enough and you start to see, wow, some of these kids are just natural athletes, so to speak, and some are not. Right. You feel that's that way with executive function? There's certainly kids and adults who just get it, incorporate it, and do it really well. I would argue what student, right, no matter what your, your age, what student couldn't benefit from some skill work? We all have strengths. Yeah. We all have relative weaknesses, right? Not necessarily horrible weaknesses, but what seventh, eighth grader, as they're learning how to navigate middle school or a high schooler, as things get more challenging and more demanding, what who, who couldn't benefit from a little coaching around how do I plan my week? How do I look ahead and break down assignments so I'm not rushing or leaving things to the last minute? You know, all, all, how do I write a 10-page paper? I've never had to do that before. I could probably figure it out if I had to, but maybe with some explicit coaching, I could write a much better cogent paper. Uh, yeah, I don't, it, it's not intelligence at all. Mm -hmm. it, it, it runs the gamut. When you, th when you think of, so when you think of business, I mean, you're a, you own a small business. As you look at others who own businesses, do you, do you think those that are successful in business, whatever their business is, is it necessary to have strong executive function skills in order to be successful? I think it's necessary to have people around you who have strong executive function skills. So there are a lot of CEOs who probably, you know, you could probably imagine don't have great executive function skills, but they have great support that keep them on schedule, that keep them on task, that can help keep them organized. They're smart enough to know, I can't do this, but I'm going to have someone help me do this. But yeah, I think that you can't run a business that's disorganized. Can't, I mean, it's maybe you can. Well, you can. You probably just can't run it for very long. That's right. That's right. <laughs> I mean, if you really want to grow and be successful, it does take organization, planning, you know, thinking ahead, being strategic. But it doesn't mean that you, per, you or I necessarily need to have those skills. But we certainly need to surround ourselves with people who can help keep us focused and on task and and moving forward. Yeah, this might be totally off base, but in in our world here in uh, educational fundraising also known as advancement. We do a lot of work here at Annual Giving Network, specifically supporting and training annual giving programs. And I always like to talk about annual giving programs as really needing people that are very strategic, they're very organized, um, they're really good at prioritizing, that they're good at multitasking. As I'm listening to you kind of talk about executive function, I'm thinking to myself, yeah, those are things that people that are successful running, particularly like complex, annual giving programs because you can have shops there's you know 30 people in 20 different schools and you're managing all of these fundraising efforts and sort of coordinating it across this complex bureaucratic and often politically charged organization and then you have this other part of the business that we we call it major gifts and probably looks you know to the to the outside world it's a little more like sales and those are people that are man really good at managing relationships and this is, I'm going to go out on a limb here. This could be a terrible generalization, totally off base, but I've definitely found some of those people and they can be very successful. I mean, very successful at managing relationships, at uh, cultivating uh, relationships with big donors. 
and and successful at actually connecting donors with institutions and that's sort of when you do that really well that's when you that's when you see these big gifts happen that's when philanthropy the magic of philanthropy happens when you read about your 10 million dollar your 25 million dollar your 100 million dollar transformational gift but you know as i'm kind of listening to you just talk conceptually about executive function i'm thinking specifically about annual giving programs because if you're disorganized if you can't prioritize if you know if you're a bit of a mess i you know i don't think you're going to be very successful in that correct but you could be a great people person a great connector someone who can think strategically at that level to kind of pull people together make a compelling case on yep. both sides and kind of bring that together that might not have great executive function skills but they have really high emotional intelligence yeah. and know how to manage that and yeah. in, in that position i'd say the emotional intelligence is more important you know that's that's a must-have the okay. executive function there's there's all these tools out there to help uh with that so i kind of think if you're if you're selling if you are engaging people if you're making yeah. actions i mean those those are those are tough skills you mentioned emotional intelligence do you feel as if emotional intelligence as you think about it and i know you're not an expert is is different than executive function is it sort yeah, of a complementary skill i don't have the definition for emotional intelligence you know off the top of my head but i think of it as the ability to kind of see people understand people engage with people i've always thought of it as the ability to empathize with people that's right to bring people on board i think to be a good salesperson you need great emotional intelligence because you gotta you gotta listen you gotta empathize and then you gotta you kind of bring them in and bring them in close so that's how i kind of think of it i don't know if that's the proper definition yeah. but that's how i think of it and executive function is is more practical i think it is more practical it's like it's the how-to behind it right mm -hmm. so and that's why there's companies out there like salesforce and there's all these you know different businesses that try to simplify the process for people of keeping things organized of managing a workflow you know of all that stuff there's a bunch of tools out there that people can use but i think the key is we have to recognize where we might have a, a deficiency we have to remember it's not about our intelligence it's not about our ability to do the job well but where do we need some help and what are those tools or resources out there that can support us? I don't know about you, but if it's not in my Google calendar, okay, yeah. that's for work, for, you know, social, for kids, for, you know, anything, it doesn't exist for me, yeah. right? So everything that I've got, that's how I've learned to manage it all. You can't remember everything. You can't have it also in five different places. You gotta have a, a one-stop shop where you can go and be like, wow, this is a busy day. You know, and then as you plan out your day or plan out your week, you got to take that into consideration. So the nice thing is there's lots of tools out there that are that can support these efforts for anyone who might realize and recognize, huh, OK, I could probably get a little help, use a little help with something like this. Great. Now, engaging minds. Right. So this is fair to call it the tutoring. Yeah. What do you, so you use that? You know, coaching. I mean, it's coaching. Yeah. Not, so, you know, I think tutoring implies you're focused on, I mean, I think for a lot of people, tutoring implies content specific. Yeah. I go right to math. I'm like, yeah, yeah teach, teach, teach the kid algebra. Right. This is more about looking uh, more broadly at the bigger picture. What do you have in front of you? What's coming up? What's your plan to get this stuff done? What's your approach to get this done? And then what we do is, you know, we, we treat each session as a funnel, right? The top part of the funnel 
is kind of getting in line. What's on my plate? And you can apply this to business as well. Like just think about the big picture every morning. What do I have on my plate? Right. What do I then prioritize? Right. To uh, for, for today, for tomorrow, for the next day, what's the order of operations? So you're kind of making your way down this funnel of all everything. And then you're prioritizing and you're getting smaller. And then you're actually getting into your work time. Right. And then your output on the other end of the funnel is, okay, so here's what I got through today. What's my plan for going forward? What are my next steps in this? And I think you can apply that anyway. We just taught a webinar on planning. And so, you know, putting the, your annual fund plan together. And um, we spent a lot of time talking about calendar development, right? And then as we were looking at some of the feedback we got from the audience, you know, some people, you know, were very happy with it. But if there was one thing they wanted more is they wanted examples of calendars, like show me more examples of calendars, how, how we manage. And so we started putting that together in our debrief afterwards and realized like there's so many different ways to like manage. I mean, there's your annual calendar, there's the monthly calendar. You mentioned the Google calendar. I mean, it was like several different views. You know, the scenario you just painted was sort of daily. I get that. You kind of, you know, I like to get up early. I look at my day. Um, I, you know, I get excited when there's a lot going on because I love to prioritize. Like I love to say, okay, what are the things that are going to have to happen today? Um, and I, I'm convinced I drive other people crazy because I, I like to have more things out there than I can manage, but I'm going to figure out. So I guess this is leading up to, I want to ask about your approach and your curriculum that you guys teach. I assume you've got a curriculum, like a, a secret sauce. So without giving away the secret sauce, but, but you know, to somebody who's out there listening, either because they find this interesting for themselves, they want to, you know, they want to improve their executive function skills because so they can be better at running an annual giving program, or they could be, you know, a better fundraiser, or maybe they've got children out there and they they want to train them. Um, you know, how how do you Again, without getting into the weeds of your curriculum, like what is the approach to it? You started to mention some very specific skills, but you know, is it like an eight-week program, a 10-week program? We actually don't call it a curriculum. We call it a methodology. And that's on purpose. To me, a curriculum implies here's the way that you do things. And what we're trying to help the kids understand, and, and for adults too, there's more than one way of solving a problem. Like you just said, there's a gazillion calendars out there. What we have to do is empower the kids, empower the people to figure out their best way. So that's a, it's a really personalized approach in that, in that sense. For kids, there's lots of ways of organizing your ideas before you write. Okay. Whether it's, you know, people may or may not know what a graphic organizer is, maybe just a brain dump and a, and a document. Maybe you use speech to text because you're better just kind of speaking it out and getting it onto the computer. We, we work with the kids, say, look, you, so this is our philosophy. You need to do pre-writing thinking. How you do it is less important than that you do it. So let's figure out your best way of doing it. And I think that that's what people have to understand as they're kind of thinking about this stuff is there's lots of ways of approaching, um, you know, different strategies and, and approaches to solving problems. You just got to figure out the way that, that works best uh, for you. So that's kind of an underpinning of our methodology and philosophy within the methodology are there you know sometimes in different disciplines people like to boil it down and make it easy to understand like the offer like the four pillars of this here's a tool i'm gonna uh, i'm gonna give you that that is really at the foundation of what we do so let me give you these four words think organize solve and check 
I'm writing them down. We call it TOPS. Where do most people start or want to start? Solving. Yeah. Get in, get out, move on. I've had a gazillion monitors. I don't need to read the directions. I just need to connect it to my computer, right? You know, anything that we've done, just get in, get out, move on. I don't need to read the directions. It's just a math worksheet. Let me just do it, okay? And what we're trying to teach the kids, and I think this is important for everybody, is there's two really important steps before solve. You have to think, you have to break down the goal. Where, what am I trying to achieve here? What's the outcome supposed to look like? Okay, now that I've got that, organize myself. What tools do I need? Remember, this goes back to the definition. Set of processes that has to do with managing oneself and one's resources in order to achieve a goal. So I now I understand what my goal is. I've read the directions. I'm very clear on what this paper needs to look like or this project needs to look like. What tools do I need? Do I need support from other people in my organization, right? Or what other tools do I need personally to help me? Now you can go and do the solving but you've done the heavy lifting, making sure you know what that goal is, how you're going to get there before you solve. It, it could take five minutes. It could take two minutes. It could take 30 minutes or six hours to do those first two steps if it's a really big problem. Yeah. But your solve is going to be so much better as a result. And then at the end, what we're trying yeah. to teach the kids, well, you're and you're checking two things. Obviously, you're checking for silly mistakes. Did I subtract when I was supposed to add? And did I, is my punctuation in there if I'm sending a memo off to someone in my organization? Like all that kind of checking. But also go back to the think stage. Did I achieve the goal, right? Did I do what the directions were asking me to do? And if you can say yes, then you're in good shape. If you're like, oh boy, I, I described, but I didn't explain. Well, then you're not done. So those four steps though for guided problem solving really important steps. And we teach that as a real foundation of, of the work that we do, but that's applicable across the board. Think, organize, solve, check. I like it. Thanks. You mentioned you're based in Needham, just outside of Boston, Massachusetts. And we got people listening all over the country, all over the world here. Yeah. Um, do you need to live in the Boston area to you know, get your kid involved with in engaging minds? Or No, here, here's the great thing about it. COVID did us a huge favor. So we were 98% in person. So yeah. we had locations in Newton, Massachusetts and Natick, Massachusetts for years. And that was our business. And to grow, it was to uh, actually in April of, of 20, we were supposed to open Lexington, Massachusetts. And then COVID hit and we squashed that idea and we moved everything online for the rest of that year. And then the following year, everyone, you know, Almost everything was online. We are still 90% remote. Um, and we're not going to go back to anywhere close to even 50-50. We're going to stay in that 10 to 15% range in person. But we now have the capacity and the ability to work with kids all over the country and all over the world. I spoke with a family uh, from Australia yesterday that's looking for this help. They can't find it in Melbourne. You know, so and and they found us just through some networking and 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 so forth. So we have kids in California, we have kids in Idaho, we yeah. have kids in Texas, we have kids now all over. So what COVID did was it educated everybody in distance learning. Yeah, we didn't have to educate people. Now more and more parents are like, well, actually, it's much more convenient for me if I do it remotely. And the nice thing about the way we did it, everything we've done is thoughtful, right? We wouldn't have 
grown to where we are without being thoughtful in our approach. But what we're able to deliver online, it's just as good as what we're able to deliver in person. And we'd actually prefer to do it online. Yeah. It saves everyone time and it saves resources. Yeah, I, I, I know you and I have talked and right before COVID hit, you know, AGN, which had been doing producing webinars as our primary, you know, means of training for years. Um, but we were making plans to expand and start doing live workshops and conferences and, and had started doing some. And, and then COVID, you know, hit made us hit pause on that. And then we really had to think about how do we continue to learn, to teach and, and provide opportunities for people to learn. And, you know, and part of that is us teaching methodologies, as you say, to them, but it's also just about bringing them together. And that's a big part of what we do. I'm blown away at just realizing now how huge the opportunities are to use technology to bring people together to do those things for us to, you know, to teach our methodology, but also to just connect uh, other people out there and bring them together. I, it's, I, I know that being together physically is so important and I'm still committed to finding ways to do it, but there's just so many other ways that I just, you know, I, I want to be careful. We don't jump back to that until we've really, you know, made sure that we've looked at all the opportunities to connect people virtually and online. I think, I think it makes a lot of sense. We, we do um, free webinars for parent organizations. So we used to do workshops in person yeah. and for the last two and a half years, we've been doing webinars, yeah. um, which is actually, I think even better because you can sign up and if you can't actually make the actual time, you're still going to get the recording yeah. uh, after to watch on your own time. And we offer those for free all over the country. So if folks listening are involved in their, their child's you know, school and their parent-teacher organization or whatever it is, we are happy to do a webinar. And what the webinar is, is just kind of an intro to executive function and how you, how you think about it, how we think about it. Yeah. But then the bulk of it are tips and strategies for parents to use at home with their kids. So um, happy to have that out there for folks if they're interested. Engagingmindsonline.com. I assume you're not the only person teaching. You've got you've got what the, uh, uh, instructors who are <laughs> who understand this as well as you, and then they they're the ones that, that do the teaching. In truth, Dan, I haven't done one hour of uh teaching in the don't, don't tell them that. of working with kids no it's just it's not see but this is the thing it's not what i do it's not my strength my my strength is organizing the business getting the tools that we need you know together pulling the people together and then selling to mom and dad and making sure they understand how we're going to help their child i've got two learning specialists who are you know actively involved daily in the methodology and our approach and working with our then 50 right now instructors. So they're coaching wow. and mentoring. So it's a we have a, a little bit of a system, you know, where kids and, and families are getting an instructor, but they're also getting a learning specialist. So I hand all of that off to the to the professionals, to the real educators who can do this. And these are these are educators, teachers by trade. What's interesting about that, so in our hiring we our instructors are typically classroom teachers, special educators, speech language pathologists, school counselors, social workers. We have a few graduate students within those realms, but they're all professionals who come to us then part time. But here's the key. 
Uh, two, two keys. One, just because you have a master's in education doesn't mean you're a great teacher. It means sure. you've, got, you've got the knowledge, but we're looking for folks who can actually impart that knowledge. And I think that's a big, a big piece of it. But it's also that we're not, there's a gazillion people out there great at teaching content. We're seeking the smaller subset who understand and value the teaching of the skills behind the content. Mm -hmm. And we take those folks trained in our approach, our philosophy, our methodology. So in a way, it's a little bit different than what, what you've been doing. Yeah. Well, but at the same time, too, I relate to it. And I'm not saying that we've necessarily hit this nail on the head, but there are some brilliant annual giving directors out there who, you know, every year their programs raise more money and, you know, increase their donor counts. That's a very different skill set than being able to sort of teach best practices. Um, and there's so many people, you know, I do want to ask you in a minute about, you know, the, the fact that you're teaching children specifically. Annual giving, it, you know, while there are some people, and I've spent my whole career working in annual giving, there are plenty of people who uh, a large portion, it's a great place to start, right? There's the, so people that want to get into fundraising, they want to get into university fundraising or independent school fundraising. An annual fund can typically be a wonderful place to get started. So you got a lot of newcomers, people that are just sort of learning for the first time, being able to teach those people. And I'm not suggesting they're like children because these are adults, but teaching fundamentals and, you know, also helping people sort of think and build skills. That's why I'm so intrigued by this idea of executive function, because these are the kinds of things I think we should be teaching to fundraisers. We should be teaching and not just in fundraising. I, I imagine you know, the opportunity here, we talked about running businesses or being successful in other things, which leads me to ask you, you, you are very focused on teaching children, but is there a market here for teaching adults executive I, function? Is that, is that out there? And you just, you know, you've, you've opted to focus on kids or. Do you no, there, there's absolutely a market for it. And there's definitely folks out there who, who do it. I mean, you, it could be a life coach. It could be an organization coach. Yeah. Um, but there's certainly folks out there that do it. We've been really careful um, in our business not to spread too far. We are experts at working with kids K through college around their academics, around executive function skills. Yeah. People have asked us to do test prep. They've asked us to do college counseling. They've asked us to do you know, um, math tutoring or content tutoring. We're not going to do it. Yeah. Um, and right now, there's no designs on going towards adults, but I do think that it probably would be uh, a pretty lucrative market. Yeah. You and I, and I always enjoy our conversations, but, you know, we talk about that and I, you know, I've even an annual giving network, which you know, I spent a quarter of a century working in annual giving and I love it. And we were, you know, when we started, we were annual giving network and our goal was to be the, the world's leading resource for annual giving programs. But then sort of naturally, as we grew, we were sort of tempted to look at doing other things. And, you know, we've talked even very recently that, you know, in my mind, the last couple of years has been kind of a refocusing. I mean, I, I think we got good at teaching and I, you know, it was sort of, it was a natural interest and wanted to teach other aspects of advancement and, you know, you know, teach outside of educational institutions, but I, we're making kind of a deliberate decision to kind of come back and to be really, really good, to be the best in the world at doing one thing. But that also sort of involves making some decisions and setting some parameters. And, and I'd rather be really good at one thing and be the best in the world at that than necessarily being okay 
and being kind of spread thin. So I, I read far too many case studies in business school that warned against trying to be everything to everybody. Jack of all trades, master of none. That's right. But and you so, can go to, and I, I think I went to business school too. And I think I read those same case studies, but it didn't matter. I had to kind of go through it. And then sure. you really, sometimes you just have to do it and learn it. Even if you, even if you knew it to begin with. Right. Um, I used to joke. I knew it. I, I learned the first time I really was onto that. This was in Needham, Massachusetts. So not in, in your neighborhood. And down the street was a friend of mine and he had three daughters and his wife was pregnant and they just found out they were going to have another daughter. And so, you know, we were, we were laughing about that and I probably made some joke about it. And he said, no, Dan, you don't understand. It's good to specialize. <laughs> and, I, and I, from, that was my punchline when we, when I would go on the, on the speaking tour talking about, you know, annual giving, but it's really true. It's, just being really good, being really focused. That's how you can really deliver value. So sounds like that's what you're doing with engaging minds and teaching executive function to children, but that's right. That's kindergarten through high school, well, through college, into college. Yeah. Um, it sounds like you're doing good stuff. So, uh, and to anybody out there who wants to learn more, it's engagingmindsonline.com. Correct. Thanks. Dan, uh, thanks for being with us today. It's always good to see you. You, you as well. And this was a lot of fun. Thanks for having me. We'll, uh, take care and we'll talk to you soon. To learn more about our membership program and everything AGN has to offer, visit our website at annualgivingnetwork.com 